at this time, if there's any of the children that we want to take out, I know some may have already come out, but if they do, you can come right over here. That'll be our opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for what you've been, been doing in us and through us and how grateful we are to be here today. As we take a few minutes to thank Lord about what you've done and what you're doing, we pray that you would do your good work in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to think for a few minutes and talk a few minutes about New Year's resolutions. Resolutions. I don't know about you. I've done that sometimes. I've done it and you know kept my promise of what I was going to do. Sometimes I've had a resolution. I'm going to do this and I'm going to be better in New Year and somehow it seems to fade away after a little while. I think a lot of us have probably done that over the years. You don't need to tell me if you've done this year. Maybe you've got something that you're going to try to do and encouragement that. It's good. I was interested by an article that I saw. It came maybe about a week ago. I saw it on the internet. I was reading it. And it was an article about a group in Pittsburgh where a couple corporations came together and they tried to get the idea to find out what are people's New Year resolutions for this year. Some of it was very like that's exactly what I would have thought, but some of them were a little bit different. Let me give you an example. Resolution number one. One. Spend more time with family and friends. I was surprised by that one because I thought maybe people say, you know, something different, you know, like, I don't know, but I didn't expect that one. But I thought that was encouraging that people were thinking, the one thing I'd like to change this new year is spending more time with friends and family. I thought, well, that's nice. Maybe the people in Pittsburgh are nicer than we are. I don't know. I hope not. That's number one. Here's number two, resolution number two. Get fit. That makes sense. Usually that comes up very quickly after we've all been eating Christmas and New Year's. Um, someone said if you want to buy equipment for you know learning to work out and all that kind of stuff, wait two or three months until afterwards and Craigslist is going to have hundreds of things that you can get <laughs> for a very, very cheap price. So keep that in mind. That's a free little thing to pass along to you. Number two, get fit. And I hate this one. Resolution number three, lose weight. I don't want to talk about that one. Let's go to resolution number four, quit smoking. Oh, that's obviously one of the best things you can do for your health would be to quit smoking. Number five, and I thought this is unusual too, slow down and enjoy life. I guess it's telling us there's a lot of people who that life just seems like we're running from one thing to another. This event, got to go here, got to get that done due to this. And you find yourself exhausted at the end of the day. So the number, number of people put number five was slow down and enjoy life. Just two more real quick. Resolution six, quit drinking. I'm not talking about water, obviously. People that have been hitting the bottle too hard over Christmas and New Year's, maybe they have an alcoholism issue and they want to get there. Number seven, last one I thought was very interesting, get out of debt. And the more I thought about that, that would be a significant thing. That would be quite a good resolution, saying, this year we want to get out of debt. And, of course, there's some very good groups that we have even locally here that are really good in helping people with that. But what's interesting about this is to find out we often make promises, and sometimes we keep them, but oftentimes it doesn't work out that well. But what I want us to be focusing on this morning is the difference we have between the promises we make with people and the promises that God makes with his people. And what a difference that is. 
Ultimately, God is the ultimate promise keeper. Every promise he's given, he has kept that promise. Now, you've got to be careful. Some of you grew up like I did. There was an old song that they sang called, Every Promise in the Book is Mine. Everybody, how many know that song? Oh, man, I must be the only person. What am I, Methuselah or something that only knows this song? All right, just go with me. That used to be a popular song. Every, every letter in, it goes on talking about that. As that. That's all part of it. And I thought, well, every promise in the book is mine. Thank God that's not true. Because some of God's promises, yes, I'm going to bring judgment upon his people. But the point they're trying to make is God's promises, you can depend upon it. And that's what we want to spend just a couple minutes thinking about. In a world that's so chaotic, in a world where there's so much trouble, it's so great to know that we have a God that we can totally trust. That if he tells you it's this, it is that. If he says he will do that, he will do it. Now, again, we've seen it time and time again. His timetable is very different than ours. But what's very clear is that God is certainly the one, when he makes a promise, you can take that to the bank, like God doesn't, doesn't need a bank, but you know the point. It's this metaphor. And what I want to do is spend just a couple minutes, and what a lot of you are familiar with, it's the attributes of God. And that may seem a little strange at this point in this service to be doing that, but I think it has a significance that I want us to think about. When you talk about, in fact, I should say, some of you have done the classes where they talk about the attributes of God. Some of you have taught that class, I know. Some of you have been in classes like that where we talk about attributes of God. But if you want to just make it real general, there's two different ways you can describe the attributes of God. One of them is called communicable, communicable attribute of God. That idea of communicable has that idea of connection, and it has that idea, it's saying, these are the things that we have in common with God. For example, let me, give you, let me give you an example of a communicable one. A communicable one would be one, for example, um, this one. God loves and we love. That's something that we have together. I mean, that's something that we have a connection with through that. Okay, God loves and we love. Okay, that's a common one. Another one is knowledge. God has knowledge, all knowledge. We have, of course, a little tiny bit of knowledge, but it's still knowledge. So that's still considered a communicable of what God is and for under that attribute. Uh, and so here's another one. I think what we'll do, in fact, let's come over to this next one. Jump over to, I'm going to jump over to the incommunicable, easy for you to say, incommunicable attribute. These are the ones that we don't share with God. For example, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all the time. That's not us. That's where we are distinctively different from God. Okay? Here's another one. Um, God is infinite. We're not infinite. We have a beginning. We have an end. But what I want to do is focus on one of God's incommunicable attributes, and this is the one that I want you to be thinking about. It's God's unchangeableness. God's unchangeableness. He doesn't change. And thank God he doesn't. Because in a world where people are constantly changing, people are going here and there, people are coming into relationships, going out of relationships, getting married, getting divorced, we go one place and another. The one thing we can count on is God's faithfulness to us. If you have a Bible with you, turn to me, with me to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. 
If you don't have it, just listen. I'm going to be reading just a small portion of Psalm 102. Let me give you the background. It's a story. Whoever this person who's writing this is crying out to God about the suffering they're going through, the issues that they're going through, all the suffering they're going through. And then in verse 20, it talks about, but you, Lord, are enthroned forever. I'm picking this up on Psalm 102, verse 12. Psalm 102, Psalm 102, verse 12. After talking about all the struggles that they're going through, there's this, but things have changed. But you, Lord, are enthroned forever. Your fame endures to all generations. In other words, that's not going to change. You will arise and you'll have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For your servants take delight in its stones and favor its dust. Then the nations will fear in the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion. He will appear in his glory. He'll pay attention to the prayers of the destitute and he will not despise their prayer. This will be written for a later generation and a newly created people will praise the Lord. He looked down from his holy heights. The Lord gazed out from heaven to earth to hear the prisoners groaning, to set free those condemned to die so that they might declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when people and kingdoms are assembled to serve the Lord. Verse 23, he's broken my strength in mid-course. He's kind of going a different direction. He's shortened my days. He's going back to the struggles. I say, my God, do not take me in the middle of my life. Your years continue throughout all generations. Now look at verses 25, 27. Long ago, you established the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing. You'll change them like a garment, and they'll pass away. Verse 27, but you are the same and your years will never end. That's a beautiful little verse talking about the fact God is stable. God is not changing. You can count on it. When God tells you he's going to do something, he is going to do that. That idea of if God makes a promise to you, if God has made a promise to us as his people, we don't have to spend a second thinking about, I wonder if God is going to keep his promise. That is a given. By the way, of course, this goes out through other in the, in, the, in the Bible. For example, the end, the very end of the Old Testament is Malachi chapter 3. It says, for I, the Lord, do not change. His point is, again, you can count on it. When God says it, it's true, and you can count on it. Go to the book of James. You don't have to. James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, talking about God, with whom there is not variation or shadow due to change. It keeps coming back to that idea. If he said it, it's there. The timetable may be different than you want, but God, if he gives you a promise, you can count on it. And that ought to be a tremendous comfort for us who are going in into a new year. We don't know what challenges we're going to face. We don't know what issues we might have medically, in terms of our family, in terms of our job. Gets to the point sometimes you start worrying, am I going to be okay? Is I going to be taken care of? For us, we need to recognize again that every promise that God has made, we can count on it. He's not going to change his mind saying, you know what, I don't think I don't love him anymore. He's never going to say that. 
He's telling us that he doesn't change. He's leading us. He's going to be providing for us. He's going to be sustaining for us. He's going to be enabling us. He's going to be caring for us. He's going to be empowering us. He's going to be encouraging us. He's going to be directing us. And we can trust him fully, knowing the knowledge of God. A.W. Pink, who was such a great writer, put it this way. He said, the permanence of God's character guarantees the fulfillment of his promises. Let me read that one more time. The permanence of God's character guarantees the fulfillment of his promises. And it's with that understanding, with that knowledge, with that acceptance of believing exactly what he tells us, that remember at the end of the book of Matthew, and remember, I'm with you always. And that's enough. Lord, we're grateful that we could be here today to be able to worship you. We thank you for the way you've been working in our lives. And we pray that as we continue on, Lord, that you would be working in us and through us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.